We are, gosh, I hate to say it, but we are in the middle of winter already. I know winter on the calendar doesn't officially start until December, what, 22nd, 21st? I always get that confused. 21st, 22nd, whatever it is, right in there. But here in upstate New York, we've already got snow on the ground. I've got some guys that are doing some work for me out in the back of the house, working on my garage, and they're they're supposed to be digging, and they're already afraid that the ground is going to be frozen. They can't dig into the ground. We've uh, We've been hit pretty early in upstate New York with winter, and I don't like it. I just don't. And that's one thing that makes me very, very jealous of my guest, and I'll bring him in in a minute, but he lives in Florida. They don't get snow, really. I mean, every once in a while, they talk about how they got. They don't really get snow in Florida. I'm jealous. He's the smart one, for sure, out out of this deal. Uh, But, yeah, I've got John Russell joining us. You all know John. I've had him on the program so many times. I think he's counting them, and he said 10, maybe 12, if you count some of the other stuff we've done together. I don't think I've had anybody else on the show that many times. But every time John comes on, he talks about something that we haven't talked about yet, and it's more interesting than the last time we talked. So how can I not keep bringing him on the program? Because he's always a fascinating guest, and he's also a very good friend. I'm going to bring him on in just a minute. But I want to remind you of a couple things. We posted last night the edited version of the Eura Shrine investigation, night number one. Now, if you remember that investigation, it's the one where we were all sitting around what was called the Dragon Table. We were getting a tremendous amount of response from all the devices laid out throughout the room. We were getting uh, terrific conversation, basically, through the ink box, which is an expanded or a modified spirit box or ghost box. And uh, it went on for, I don't know, an hour, this whole thing. In addition to other rooms we were in in this particular location where we were getting similar responses. It's one of the best investigations that I've ever been involved with. And I say best, it means, I mean, most active and so much going on and actually head scratching stuff in many, many ways. The edited version of that investigation is now available on our YouTube page. It's also available on the Facebook page. You can watch it in either place. Um, and you just, just look for it. It's, it's uh, a Shrine night one. I think the title is haunted major haunting or something like that. I don't remember what they did, but either way it's there. You can watch it. It's about an hour and 45 minutes, uh, edited down from the three plus hour live investigation that we did. And it's well worth it. Uh, you get to see a lot of really cool stuff that happened to us when we were there. Night number two of that investigation, it wasn't quite as active, but it was still crazy. And we'll have that posted uh, in a week or so, so that you can enjoy that as well. I hope you've got some nice plans for the Christmas season. I mean, what I always find is that, you know, I keep thinking, oh, I can't wait till Christmas season comes around. I really love it. Love the listening to Christmas music. I love, you know, all the things that go along with it, the movies and all. And then I find out it's like, it's here. Like Christmas is like, it's Christmas Eve. And and I missed it all. I, somehow I, I was too busy and I missed everything. Make sure you take a deep breath. And just relax and enjoy the Christmas season with your friends, your family especially, and uh, anyone else who uh, you enjoy to sp- spending time with. Make sure you take time to do that. The last thing I'll say before I bring a good friend and guest John Russell in is that we've got another live investigation being planned. It won't be until after Christmas, though. So just be ready for that because the details, I don't know if we'll announce them before Christmas or not, but it'll be in January and it's going to be fantastic. We uh, wanted to do another one in December, but with Christmas and New Year's, it's just really, really difficult. Traveling is tough, and everybody wants to spend time, you know, at home. So I don't. Play, I'm one of them. I want to spend time at home. 
So I don't blame uh, folks for, for saying, hey, let's hold off until January. So we're going to do that in January. Uh, I don't, oh yeah, one more thing. <laughs> I said I had one more, now I got two. Uh, make sure you subscribe, like, follow, and share. There are a couple of ways you can support the program and our efforts to get out and do our live investigations. Uh, the best way, quite honestly, is on Facebook, uh, hitting the, the, the subscriber hub button and subscribe to our page on Facebook. It's a paid thing. That money goes to help us do our investigations. A lot of, a lot of costs involved in getting out and doing these. We appreciate your help. You can also contribute on YouTube using the super chat function. And you can also contribute on Twitch using the cheers function. And then the last way that I would suggest is on Facebook. You can also contribute by using the stars function. Those are all ways kind of like to tip. It's kind of like a tip. I mean, we've gotten kind of crazy in the tipping culture. I agree. However, this is, this is a way to help us get out and do these live investigations, which are very expensive to do, but we love doing them. We love bringing them to you. And we love the fact that a live audience can actually help us with the investigation. I cannot tell you how already in the short lifespan of paranormal reality TV and these live investigations, how many times the audience, the live viewers have actually guided us in the investigation to something very remarkable. We found something that we wouldn't have found or experienced something we wouldn't have experienced because of the live viewership. So it is fantastic. I've, I've talked way too much. We've got somebody far more interesting than me in the wings here, and we've got to bring him in, my good friend, uh, psychic medium, John Russell. John, thanks for being patient. I just start rambling, and the things start flying out of my mouth. Half the time, I don't even know what I'm saying, John. JB, my good friend, it's always a delight to be with you. Wishing you a Merry Christmas, wishing all our listeners a Merry Christmas. And uh, we just have such a great time when we talk. We always have a good time. We're going to cover some subjects today we haven't talked about before. Some Christmas themes, uh, Christmas theme things, and some other things that we talked about uh, pre-show. And it's, it's just always a delight to be here. We're going to have fun. We always do. We always do. And I'm trying to think. It was, it was about a month ago, maybe six weeks ago that we talked last. You yeah. must have written four books yeah. in that time, given the, the speed at which you write books. Well, I have, <laughs> I've, I've finished my fourth. I'm almost halfway through my fifth, and I've got more in the works. Yeah, remarkable. So everybody stay tuned. Um, the latest book, 20 Ways to Increase Your Psychic Abilities, I was talking with uh, with one of your listeners on Facebook before we came on, and uh, she was saying how much she enjoyed it. I've been getting feedback from all over the world now on that book, from uh, Sweden, from Spain, all across the U.S., all across the world. And the people are telling me, John, the book is a really good read. It's a common sense read. It makes sense. Most importantly, the techniques work for these people. The techniques work for the readers, so it's making a positive difference for them. So that's the reason I wrote the book, and I'm happy to get that feedback. Yeah, I'm going to ask you about that in a second, but I want to explain something. If you see me glancing off to my right here, it's because I know my daughter is leaving to go back to Staten Island. It's about a four-hour drive, and I just want to make sure I say goodbye to her as she's she said she would pop into the there studio before she left. So I'm not, I'm not that distracted. I'm just looking for her. Anyway, uh, John, how does, and I know we're, we're going to get to some really cool stuff. And I know that in, in our pre-show discussion, we, we talked about starting with a certain thing, but I'm going to hold that for a second. Cause I want to ask yeah. you, cause it relates to the okay. book. How does somebody, okay. the book you wrote, uh, 20 ways to increase your psychic abilities. Uh, it, it's, it's a great, uh, help to those who maybe are just getting, in tune with those abilities, but they're, but it's also a great help to people who've been using them for a while. But how about for somebody like you? I mean, yeah. you are a veteran when it comes to this stuff. Yeah. Uh, do you use yeah. the same techniques to help you uh, sharpen or hone or, or, or improve your psychic abilities as well? 
I used these exact same techniques that I wrote about in the book. The other side taught me these techniques directly. And so I know that they work because they came from the other side and I put them into practice. They work for me. I've given them to my clients over the years. You know, I've read professionally for over 50 years, which blows my mind. I've read for clients in over 40 countries, which is just incredible. So I've given these techniques to my clients all these years and they work for them. I've gotten this feedback that it works. So everybody kept asking me in the readings, you know, how do I improve my own psychic abilities? What do I do? And so on and so forth. So finally, I set down these uh, these 20 ways to increase your psychic abilities, put it into book form and uh, got it out there so everybody can use it. But yeah, these are the same techniques that I've used successfully for myself for years and years, uh, dream interpretation and, and various other things uh, that are that I use successfully and effectively it's all in there and it's exactly the way I practice it. And it's so easy to learn. It's such an easy book to read, so easy to learn. And it'll be effective for anybody that sits down and puts it into practice. I just want to take a time out here and say hello to everybody who's joining us in the chat rooms. Thank you for being here. I want to uh, say hi yes. to Mary Grace in particular, Crystal, and Taryn, good friend. Taryn, you said uh, keep up the amazing work. Thank you. But more importantly, Taryn, you know that I'm going to be calling you soon because you have some great locations that we're going to bring Paranormal Reality TV to so that we can do some live investigations with you. So thank you uh, for checking in here and um, I'm looking forward to talking to you. Hey, Slacktastical. Hey, Wendy. People are just filing in, John. I'm trying to say hello, but there's, yeah. it's fast and furious. Um, Great. Yeah. You, when you when you are considering the the ways, John, of uh, listing, kind of enumerating, and you have 20 in the book, uh, ways that people can improve their psychic abilities, what types of things do you hope people are trying to do with those abilities? What things do you imagine? that somebody who is just starting down this path uses your guide to get better at it. What types of things do you hope they're going to do with those? I want them to make their lives better. The first thing I want people to understand is that, hey, this isn't imagination. This isn't superstition. Uh, this is real. The other side is real. The paranormal activity in a positive way around us is real. We can connect with the other side. We can connect with uh, deceased loved ones. Uh, we can connect with our spirit guides and our guardian angels to our benefit and get their protection and get their guidance and get their help. Uh, there's incidents that I write about in the book where people uh, have solved problems through their dreams. And I teach people in the book, easy dream interpretation, lucid dreaming, how to direct your dreams and guide your dreams so that you get inspiration from your dreams. I mean, people have come up with invention in their dreams and music in their dreams. We've heard like Paul McCartney and other people uh, talk about uh, music coming to them in a dream and they woke up and wrote it down. It was a great hit, those types of things. Yeah. So we have the potential to connect with great positive things in our lives. And that's what I want people to realize in this book. It's not parlor tricks, it's not amusement. It's something you can take and use as real world tools to make your life better, improve your life and move your life forward and give yourself self-confidence that you can connect with the other side, get this protection, get this guidance, get this inspiration, make your life better, make other people's lives better. Uh, hey, Ed, good to see you always. Denise, nice to see you in the chat room as well. All right, I've got to ask you something personal, John. Um, personal for me. Sure. And I, I'm going to try to ask this without embarrassing myself, okay? But I want your perspective yeah. on it because it's actually really okay. affecting me. Um, okay. I've been having, <laughs> I've been having dreams about a certain mm -hmm. 
celebrity. And I'm going to tell you right up front, this is a male celebrity and these dreams are not erotic in any way. These are, these are meeting, meeting the celebrity and hanging out and having conversations yeah. and all this stuff, like really intense stuff. And I'm having them over, not the same dream, but I'm having this uh, dream about this celebrity and hanging yeah. out with this person over and over again, like constantly. It's like, it's like almost uh, haunting me in a way yeah. to use a, a pun. Um, right. Does that mean anything when you hear something like that, John? Oh, absolutely. And it's, uh, and I covered this in the book and in, in dream interpretation and we're the, the best interpreters of our dreams. So what I need you to do, uh, you know, the, the immediate thing that comes to mind to me, um, the more dramatic a symbol is or a person is or whatever in our dream, the more urgent, the more important that dream is. So it means that either our subconscious or the other side or some spirit through our subconscious, through our dreams is trying to communicate something very important to us. Uh, so it's an important it's an important reason that you're having these dreams. The other thing is that you need to ask yourself this particular celebrity. What does that celebrity mean to you? What does their life convey? What does it represent? What does it stand for? And so it may be that when you recognize whatever qualities that they have or represent, it may be that by you hanging out with that celebrity, that's the way of your subconscious or the guides coming through in your dreams and telling you, you need to emulate this, or you need to strive for the qualities that this person has and exhibits. And so you may be thinking that something's not possible for you or out of your reach, or that you couldn't attain a certain thing. And by palling around with a celebrity, you're becoming an equal. You're, you've got the same status as this person does. And so that's the other side saying to you, yeah, you can, you can achieve this. You can get there. You can make it. I like so that. I like a, that. I like that message a lot. And let me throw a curveball at you. So this, I okay. use, I use the word celebrity. This is actually somebody in the news media, which shows you how weird I am, uh, that I look at, look up to somebody in the news media. Who, well, there are as, people in the news media that are celebrities, you know, I mean, Anderson Cooper and so on and so forth. Yeah. Well, I don't consider Anderson Cooper a celebrity, but, but that's for individuals to decide. But this guy, yeah. uh, I just, I mean, I really idolize his, his opinion, his thought mm -hmm. and his reporting. And, uh, I, I don't know. It's just like, I just keep having these dreams of meeting him and talk and I yeah. talking to him and then being added to his staff. I mean, I haven't worked for anybody in 40 yeah. years, John, I've been my own right. you know, right. boss for 40 years. Sure. I can't imagine oh, yeah. working for somebody. So the whole thing is just so weird to me that I keep having these well, dreams. Again, you know, I think you have to look at it as the connection with that person, what they represent, what they stand for. Like you said, you have that great admiration. You have to understand that you can achieve that as well. And that the uh, propensity for what you're doing to rise to that level is there. And that also, you know, look at your own life and areas of guidance that you need that that person's example or what they've done can provide. And I think that's a probably a really good interpretation for that dream. Too. I like, I like what you're saying, John. I like it a lot. Um, thank you, Mary Grace. Oh, Mary Grace, you're, you're right on target. How did you guess? Mary Grace knows who it is. And I'm not, I'm not going to say it cause I don't want to offend anybody else who might not <laughs> think the way I think that's fine. John, um, one of the things that, that uh, you said to me after the last couple of interviews, I think it was at least the last two, maybe maybe not, but that's what I remember. Is you said, dang it, JV, we forgot to talk about this story. It's one you've been yeah. chomping at the bit to talk about. 
I haven't heard it yet. I don't think, right? This is this will be new to me, you right? You haven't heard it yet. Yeah. You, you haven't heard it yet. Okay. You and you keep heard. saying we have to talk about the snake story. <laughs> which the just, snake story. I, it's just a weird way to describe it. So I have no idea what's coming now. I have no idea what John <laughs> Russell was about to tell me. But here we go. Are we ready for this? All right, go. What's You're the snake story? What is the snake this. story, John? Yeah. This is, this is in my fourth book, which is finished and uh, will be coming out sometime next year. Um, so this goes back to when I was a teenager growing up in West Texas. And in West Texas, you're taught that the only good snake is a dead snake, regardless of what it is, right? You see a snake, you kill it. So this was the way I was raised. And you're taught to fear snakes. And with certain reason, you know, if a venomous snake bites you, it can kill you, or at the very least maim you or whatever, put you in the hospital, make you sick. And we're taught that snakes are just evil malingerers. They just lay around looking to disrupt people's lives and scare the hell out of them and bite them and whatever. So I'm in my teens. I've got, uh, I think I'm on my second motorcycle. And I've got this buddy of mine, my best friend, and we get on the bike and we cruise up and down the drag and getting into mischief looking for adventure and whatever. So we're going by this park and out in the park is this guy he's he's tall and scrawny about six foot and i was tall and scrawny about six foot and uh, he's standing there in the park with this bag slung over his shoulder this empty bag and in front of him crawling in the grass stretched out is this boa constrictor that's about 12 to 14 feet long and i look at this thing and i'm like holy god and i hit the throttles and i'm out of there and my buddy goes wait 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 go back i know this guy i know this guy go back and i'm like no and he says yeah go back go back i know this guy so he talks me into it so we go back and i park on the side of the street of the park he hops off the bike goes up to talk to the guy he's like john come up meet my friend i'm like mm. <laughs> 12 foot 14 foot long snake up there the head is bigger than my hand and it's like, ah, no, no, thank you. You talk to your buddy, come back when you're done. We'll take off. So finally he's like, John, come here, man. Don't be rude. Come meet my friend. So I approach from the rear of the snake and the snake's just stretched out. He's just chilling every now and then lifts his head up, looks around. He's crawling through the grass and just having a good old time. And so I come up and I meet the guy and he's like, so you're really, really scared of snakes, huh? And I said, well, yeah. And uh, especially big ones, especially really big ones, especially <laughs> big ones, gigantic ones like this damn yeah. thing. And uh, he's regaling me with these stories of what this snake can do. He said, like, if, if it goes up in a tree and it's hanging between two branches and he grabs onto it, it can stretch and flex and lift him up off the ground a couple of inches. And so he's telling me all this stuff. And I'm like, you are the most insane person on the entire planet. And he's telling me he's had this snake, which is now 12, 14 feet long, big, massive, thick body. He's had this thing since it was a baby when it was like a foot long. So he's raised this snake his entire life. He goes everywhere with it. If a store won't allow him in with, with the snake in the bag, he won't go in the store. So this snake is his life. I mean, he loves this snake. And I'm like, yeah, okay. And he goes, look, just go over and, and touch the snake, get to know it, get to, get to feel it. And he's already telling me, you know, that the snake understands things, recognizes things, has emotions, has feelings. Well, this is all new territory for me. So now he's giving me this implication that he's got this psychic bond with the snake. I'm like, okay, this is a little bit too much. So, <clears throat> excuse me, he tells me, so just, just go touch the snake. 
So I go way down where the tail is, 12 feet away, 12, 14 feet away from the head. And I reach over and I touch it and the snake raises his head up and turns around to look at me and I run. And he goes, everything's fine. He said, he's not going to hurt you. He just realizes that someone that he doesn't know touched him and he wants to see who it was. And I was like, oh, come on. Snakes have feelings. Snakes have cognizance. Snakes have emotion. You're kidding me. This is not possible. So we talk a little bit more and he says, John, just, just go touch the snake. Just go grab him. Just, just get a hold of him. You get a feel for him. So I work up my courage and I'm still down by the tail end though. And, uh, I put both my hands underneath him. I grab him and his body's so massive. My hands can't go around him. And it's like, my God, I get this psychic rush. And it's like this creature that I've never known before in my life. And this immense power and the strength. And the fact that this thing has been raised from a baby and is this guy's pet and loves this guy because he's telling me like this one time they went into this, uh, this restaurant bar thing where the waitress would let the guy bring him in and he put the snake out on the table and or on the bar where it was. And the owner allowed him to do that. And, um, this is, this is back in the days of the rednecks and the hippies. Anybody had long hair and I did, and this guy did, and my buddy did. You know, the, the rednecks, they were all, we had this war going on between the, the hippies and the rednecks, so to speak. So this guy had long hair. So it was kind of a cowboyish type bar. And this redneck came over and wasn't outraged about the snake or making fun of the snake or threatening the snake. He was threatening our friend because he was this long haired hippie and he spat on him. And when he spat on him, the snake bat the, bit the guy in the face and drew blood. Oh, wow. So he's yeah, he's telling me, he's like, this snake, we love each other, and the snake would defend me just like I would defend him. So all this is whirling around my mind. This is, this is uncharted territory for me. How can this possibly be? So we're standing there talking a little while longer, and there's a, a, a restaurant that we used to hang out, a little, little diner, a little dive type thing a little kitchen type joint up a few blocks from the park. And the guy says, hey, let's go up to the diner and get something to eat. And I said, what are you gonna do with the snake? And he goes, oh, the owner knows, hey, you don't mind if I bring him in as long as I leave him in the sack. I'm like, this is the craziest damn thing I've ever seen in my life. So he stuffs the snake in the sack, throws him over his shoulder, walks up toward the restaurant. We go get on the bike and we go up toward the restaurant. So we pull into the parking lot and these girls pull in that knows this guy. And they're like, oh, you got the snake, you got the snake. And he goes, well, of course I was a snake. Never go anywhere without the snake. Oh, let's see the snake. Let's see the snake. So he pulls the snake out and the girls are in and on over the snake. So I'm looking at my buddy elbowing him like, hey, you know, here's a, here's a chance to score. You know, these <laughs> chicks come in the parking lot. Hey, man. So about this time, the guy turns around and he goes, here, John, hold the snake. And just reflexively, I reached out like an idiot and he dumps 900 pounds of snake in my arms. And I'm like, oh God, oh God, oh God, I'm gonna die. And immediately lost all street cred with the chicks. There was no picking <laughs> up any chicks after that. And they're all laughing at me. My buddy's laughing at me. And I'm like, oh God, I'm gonna die. And the snake gets his head and turns it around toward me like this. And I'm like, he's gonna bite me, he's gonna bite me. And the chicks are just losing it at this point. And he's like, he's not going to bite you. He's just turning his head around. He has to bend his neck to turn his head around to look at you. He wants to know who's got him and what's going on. And I'm like, oh, God. So I've lost all street cred with the chicks. There's no picking up chicks. So when, of course, the snake doesn't bite me, and he stuffs him back in the bag, and we go inside. 
So there's four guys sitting in a booth and we take the booth right behind theirs. And he sits with my buddy and he sticks the snake over by me in the bag. And I'm like, well, this is really wonderful. Sitting here with this nine jillion pound snake. The head, the head is literally bigger than my hand. This is the most gigantic thing you've ever seen. And uh, so we're sitting there and in this booth, the guys that we're sitting behind, there's four guys in there and the baby of the bunch is six foot and about 220, all hard muscle. And he's the little one of the group. And the other guys go on up six, four, maybe six, six. Some of them look like they're like 300 and there ain't no fat on these guys. And they're all short haired and they're all looking at us long haired hippies. And here come the jibes. And oh boy, man, we're going to take these guys out in the parking lot when we finish eating. We're going to warm up for the bars we're going to fight in later today. And they're serious. And we're like, oh my God. So I'm six foot and about 140 at this stage of the game. This other guy with the snake, he's six foot, about 140. My buddy, my best friend, is literally built like Arnold Schwarzenegger and strong as an ox, but he's like five, seven, something like that. So now he and I are both like super, super, super into the martial arts. And I don't mean like we, we go and took lessons and we learned the katas and we sparred preform without contact and all of that. I mean, we're into multiple martial arts disciplines. We've worked out and sparred hours and hours and hours at a time every day. We've done things to harden ourselves. We've done full contact stuff. We've learned all the most effective methods in street fights and everything else. But these guys are like humongous. And I mean, even if you're that skilled, when you're that small and you're up against guys this big and this strong, it's not going to be pretty if you have to fight. So we're sitting there and I'm like, oh my God, how the hell are we going to get out of this mess? So about this time, the guy says, hey, John, said, check the snake, make sure he's okay. I said, do what? He said, check the snake, make sure the snake's all right. I said, what do you mean? He said, open up the bait and make, make sure the snake's okay. Pull, pull him out, make sure he's all right. Okay, so I opened up the bag and here the monster is staring up at me, flicking his tongue. I'll take a deep breath, reach in and grab him. And he said, pull him, pull him out. So I pull about four or five feet of this monster out of the sack up over the table. And the one guy that's sitting facing us curses, jumps the counter behind the serving area into the kitchen and runs out the door. The other two turn around to see what in God's name he's gone crazy about. And they're like, oh, Jesus Christ, oh God, and they're cursing. They jump up, they run out the door. And the guy that's left sitting there is just laughing and he gets the check and he's paying the check and he goes, well played, gentlemen, well played. <laughs> <laughs> and so the snake that saved us, literally the snake that saved us. And I, I told this guy, I said, I don't know what this sucker eats, but I'll buy him a steak right now, whatever. And he said, well, he can't eat a snake, a steak. And I don't think they have rabbits on the menu, but he said, if you'll tell him while you're holding him, thank you that you appreciate what he's done. He's saved our hide tonight. He'll know and he'll understand. And I believe that he did. That's the story of the snake that saved us. And wow. That's in my fourth book. Wow. So, so the question is, after that experience, John, what's your opinion of snakes now? Because you said, you know, in Texas, growing up in Texas, the only good snake's yeah. a dead snake. What's your opinion now? Yeah. Well, since then, I've had several snakes as pets. Oh, wow. Okay. So, uh, yeah, and and really developed a connection with them. Amazingly enough, it's it's really really crazy. Uh, you know, you just look at them and you think, well, what could they think or what could they feel or what could they do or know? 
and uh, snakes can be taught tricks, basic tricks, and snakes can be taught to do various things, and uh, it's it's really pretty wild. So that opened up a whole new uh, psychic and emotional and, and physical context for me. Wow, I, I never would have guessed that uh, you could make that connection with a snake. I figured, you know, pe- people who have people who have pets like that, you assume it's more for... I mean, I'm, I'm just going to say it. I, I might be callous in saying this. It was more for the shock value or whatever, and uniqueness right. maybe, right. just, you know, because they're so unique, yeah. that uh, that you wouldn't have, wouldn't think that you could develop that connection. But you're telling me right now that it's actually possible. Yeah, that there's actually that low bond there. Wow. And snakes are just like dogs. You know, some dogs are, uh, are you've got some dogs that will bite you while you're feeding them. You know, we had one little chihuahua that, Nobody could pet it but my wife. Everybody yeah. else tried to pet it. It would bite them. You'd hand it food, it would bite them. And snakes are the same way. Some of them have real great loving personalities. Some of them are, you know, a little feisty. Some of them are a little mean. So uh, it, it just depends. But we have to learn and understand from that that there is this psychic connection, emotional connection possible with everything in the animal kingdom. Yeah, I was just going to say that leads up to a bigger point. And the f- that is the fact that all these living creatures uh, actually do have, uh, what do you call it? Do you call it a psyche? What do you call it that gives them the ability yeah, to have that? It's an awareness, an intelligence, a, a psychic connection, a soul connection, an emotional ability. And uh, and that leads to conundrums of we have to eat to survive. Yeah. And in my fifth book, I write at length about that and about the dichotomy that we face on this planet with uh, with what we have to do to survive so that'll be interesting for for folks down the road i'm about halfway through with that so so all right let's 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 back up to the book calendar here fourth book is done yeah just not printed yet is that fourth where we book are is done. fourth book is finished and uh, hopefully it'll be coming out early next year and uh, then i'm about halfway through my fifth book so late next year or early 2025 and more are in the works What's this, John? What are we looking at here? <laughs> the uh, reader's, reader's Favorite is an international book award. Uh, books from all over the world. People come from all over the world. The award ceremonies in Miami each year. And uh, people like Neil deGrasse Tyson, uh, Jim Carrey, the comedian, have meddled, won medals through this. So it's a big deal. It's, it's a big award ceremony. And uh, I won a silver medal for my second book, A Knock in the Attic. And that's me at the award ceremony in Miami, having received my medal and uh, really proud moment for me. Was was really, really happy there. And it was uh, an amazing thing to be able to do because, as we've talked about before, I have a lot of major health issues. The only thing keeping me going is using some of the techniques and things I talk about in my books. And uh, my rheumatologist told me, he said, don't drive more than 30 minutes at a time. That's not possible for you. Well, to get from where we are now to Miami, because of the insane traffic now, is a seven-hour drive. Oh, jeez! Wow! And uh, and I made that with only one rest stop. Uh, made it to the awards ceremony. Drove back. Was okay. Was tired out, but was okay. But it was like um, the previous uh, book, uh, writing with ghost angels and the spirits of the dead. I had won a a bronze medal for it. And uh, just felt too bad to go to the ceremony that year. But this year I was feeling a little bit better and uh, won the silver. And I said, oh, God, I got to go. Got to go for the silver. 
And so that was me at the award ceremony. I've got a lot of other pictures and everything there, but uh, that was me in Miami at the award ceremony, getting my silver medal for knocking the attic. So you don't look really, too, really happy. About you, you don't look too proud there, John. You don't look too proud. <laughs> <laughs> you look very proud, and you should be proud. You should be proud. Listen, I just want to mention something for our chatters. Uh, we're getting a heck of a lot of spam in the chat room, particularly in Facebook right now. I don't know, John, if you've seen this and experienced this, but anytime oh, it's, yeah. it's probably my yeah. mistake for putting the fact that we're talking with a psychic in the title. And now all of a sudden you keep getting mm -hmm. these people jumping in. They're all spammers and like, Oh, for a reading, contact mm -hmm. me, all that crap. Just ignore yeah. them. I'm deleting yeah. them as fast as I can. But if you're, if you're watching on again, particularly Facebook and you see that ignore it, there is nothing in there from John soliciting you no. and there's nothing in there from no. me or paranormal reality tv soliciting you so if you see any of those things ignore Correct. them yeah. yeah so we've we've mentioned a few times obviously this is the book we've been talking about most recently 20 ways to increase your psychic abilities uh that one is still Love. hot yeah what I, I did see something that you posted about christmas orders what's going on there uh amazon has now said that you can't get the paperback in time for christmas uh, but you can go and get the Kindle version and gift it through Amazon. You can gift the Kindle version to people through Amazon. So that's, you can still do that in time for Christmas, but too late for the paperbacks now. But if you want the paperback and you don't need it for Christmas, you know, order. I have to, I'm, I'm looking at my phone now because you posted something else today that I wanted to talk to you about. Maybe yeah. you, you remember what it is. Um, I don't, and I have to look at, look for it again. Do you remember what you posted earlier that, that I might want to talk about? Oh, God. Oh, <laughs> hey, man, I'll find it here in a second. I apologize. Oh, Warren? No, no, we're going to talk about that, too. But this is, this was something else. Maybe it's here. Hold on just one sec. Let me see. If okay. I can, let me see. Oh, yeah, okay. Oh, nope, the Christmas nope. miracle. That's not it. Uh, oh, no, okay, here it is. So you posted, uh, and I wish I had it. If I had it ready, I would be able to post, show it up on the screen here. But it's you posted, yeah. everyone is on the declutter bandwagon. Your possessions only weigh you down oh, if you yeah. don't love them. Be careful that you aren't throwing away cherished and precious memories. And when I read that, yeah. John, I thought to myself, because I am a pack rat, I, yeah. every, somehow I assound, or I assign emotional uh, energy to everything I own, some type of Absolutely. connect. Absolutely. And I don't know how to break that. I'm not sure yeah. that's what your message meant, but you're, but when I was reading, I'm like, you know what? There's a lot of wisdom there. I just have to figure out how to navigate yeah. it. I, I need to know why you as a psychic medium, why you're posting this particular message and what it means to you, because obviously yeah. it means something. It does because, you know, so many people are on the declutter bandwagon, you know, get rid of everything, take a picture of it and you got the picture, you don't need the item, blah, 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 blah. You know, our items are important to us because they're memories and they represent memories. They represent people. They represent um, love. They represent romance. Uh, they represent vacations and travel and happy times and all this. So I've got something here. Um, I have a collection of, of knives, and this one knife I've had for decades, I can tell you where I bought it, uh, when I bought it, uh, how long it's been with me, the things it served me through. And so you build cherished memories with things, and it's just like with anything else, with people or with animals or anything else. We've become a disposable society. Relationships are disposable. Animals are disposable. Oh, we have to move. We can't take them. We've got to get rid of them, all this type of thing. So what we have to understand 
is that, you know, we're dealing, when we're dealing with people and with animals, we're dealing with sentient beings, with emotion, with love, with care. That cannot become disposable. Now, when you go to things, you'd say, well, things are inanimate objects. And I've talked about that in my books. And I've said, no, there is some type of inherent energy within things. And I have two theories about that. I think one, it arises from within the thing itself, like for tarot cards. And I discussed that in 20 ways to increase your psychic abilities. And then I think that we imbue those things with energy, with memories and with love. And the example of that is in the book, 20 ways, when I teach people how to do psychometry, you can take an item that a person has cherished and has loved, and you can read the memories off of that. And you can read the emotional content of their lives. And you can see the important moments in their lives, their friendships, their loves, their losses, their triumphs, their defeats, everything else through these objects. So objects have meaning, objects have power. You know, in the old days, people used to pass objects down. You know, you inherited things from your great, great grandparents, your grandparents, your parents, and you treasured those and you valued those and you kept them. And you looked at them and you said, well, I remember when my grandfather won this medal in school and, and track and what it meant to him and what it means to me to keep that and look on it. Now people want to throw all that away. They want to throw everything away. And what I'm trying to get people to understand is your possessions don't own you or don't control you or don't overwhelm you unless it's something that you don't love or don't cherish. If it's something that you literally have absolutely no feeling for, and it doesn't matter if you have no feeling for it, then you can give it away or sell it or whatever. But if it's a cherished possession and it has memory and it has purpose and it has focus and it has meaning, don't throw it away for the sake of the declutter movement. Hold on to it and cherish it and value it. And if you're a bit of a pack rat in doing so, so be it. I have a lot of things paranormally that I could not get rid of because they're charged with so much energy. I have apports. I have things that have come to me from the other side from out of the blue that there's no possible way you could get rid of that. As a matter of fact, I'm thinking someday down the road, when I transition, I got to figure out how I'm going to leave these things to, they're going to take care of them and, and, and guard them, you know? So that's, that's what I mean by that. Let's not get so caught up in the declutter movement that we lose sight of sentimentality and the energy things possess, the things we should cherish, the things we should value. There's a reason to hold on to those things and to love those things. Yeah, I, I always had difficulty with people, and there have been people in my life um, who have had seemed to be able to just throw everything away, have with yeah. regardless of where it came from, who gave it to them, uh, you know, yeah. if it was in the family. And I just, I, it baffles me to me because I, I may go I overboard I the other way. I may assign yeah. too much uh, emotional value to certain things. And I also. I don't think so. I, I think it's good to do that. I also assign other people's emotional value to things. Like for example, the house I'm in now, oh, sure. it's an old house. There are there mm. like there's a, there's a chimney in front of me here in my studio. It's a brick chimney, it's a cool-looking mm. chimney. And on it mm. there are names of the kids like they scratch their names in the bricks. Oh, neat. And to neat. me and like, you know, the thought I had the thought cuz the chimney's not in use anymore. I had the thought, well, we should, we can, mm. I could get rid of this chimney, expand the size of my studio and stuff, mm. but there's no way I could do that knowing that kids exactly. carve their names 
from you know exactly. 60 years yeah. ago whatever it was in the brick and yeah. i would yeah. i would feel guilty doing that to their memory you know whatever exactly so, that's, that's a living heritage you've got there yeah Absolutely. yeah yeah, yeah. i also owned a, a lake property which used to serve as a day camp actually it wasn't a day camp it was a full-blown summer uh camp where people would go stay for a couple weeks oh, Kid, yeah, yeah. kids from new york city would come up uh it was a jewish based camp so it was the jewish children mm -hmm. from new york city would come up and spend two weeks whatever on the lake here in cooperstown right. and right. my my lake house my camp up there was the rec hall for this big summer right. camp and on the walls the kids like yeah. throughout the course of 60 70 years of staying there wrote messages yeah. and names and i couldn't yeah. paint over it i couldn't I had yeah. it, to me that was an important part of the history of that building. So yeah. I get it. I get it. Listen, yeah. um, I, I know you want to comment on that, but I also see what time it is, and I know we have a lot of things to cover. And I want to also ask a question that uh, one of our chatters has posted wants your opinion okay. on, John. Uh, Vampire Princess says, "I believe that my grandfather sent me my dog as a help with my anxiety. Is it possible that it really happened that way?" Yeah, absolutely, sure. So Vampire Princess yeah, believes that her her grandfather actually, in some way, spiritually guided this dog yeah. to her possession. Yeah. You know, they, the people on the other side, our loved ones, our spirit guides, guardian angels, they look out for us. They send us people. They send us animals. They send us opportunities. They send us inspiration. And that's why another reason writing the book is to get people to open it up to that, to realize that, and to have that connection. So that we've got that comfort, we have that security, we have that help, and we can realize, yes, it is a possibility. Yes, we can receive those things from our loved ones and so on and so forth. So, yeah, absolutely. Um, I hope that answers your question. Uh, there was a follow-up here. Let me just find it again. Oh, yeah. Um, Vampire Princess says, my dog and I are, have a very close connection to the point that he cries if I leave without him. He was abused yeah. and beaten and thrown out to the street, and I found him when he was only six weeks old. Yeah, yeah, there you go. Yeah. So, you know, the universe puts us together. The universe connects us, you know, where we're supposed to be. All right, so are you ready to get controversial, John Russell? Absolutely. Are you ready? Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely. All right. I, I am controversial. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I, I uh, as most people who follow uh, our work here know, I put up a question every day trying to invoke uh, some thoughts, some discussion. Sometimes yeah. the discussion is yeah. heated. Sometimes people don't care. I don't know. I don't know what right. triggers one right. or the other. But either way, today, yeah. Yeah, yeah. today's discussion was was one of the ones that some people are getting heated about, which is good. As long sure. as people are respectful. Sure. I, th I think people yeah. being passionate yeah. about their opinions is actually a good thing. It's a good uh, thing, absolutely. So I asked today because I've noticed there's been a real shift in the way Ed and Lorraine Warren are being represented in the paranormal community. Now I'm yeah. not passing judgment on anybody, but what I am saying is that for a very long time, the paranormal community considered, and I'm just being general here in my I'm, I'm generalizing the paranormal considered, considered Ed and Lorraine Warren to be somewhat of opportunists that they took advantage yes. of other people who are, and, and if you talk to someone like Christopher Quarantino, who is one of the Lutz children who lived in the Amityville yeah. house when, you know, as with George yeah. Lutz and the family that claimed all right. that happened, he, he would say, you know, we didn't invite the Warrens. They just showed up. They just showed up and, exactly. and started to interject themselves into what was going on here. That's exactly. from Christopher Quarantino exactly. who lived it, not me. Yeah. Anyway. Yeah. So, 
for quite some time, uh, you know, their reputation was a bit tarnished in the way they approached some of this stuff. And ever since the Conjuring movies have come out, which talk yeah. about some of the cases that they wrote about, uh, their yeah. reputation is changing. I don't know yeah. which the right reputation is. I don't. I never met Ed and Lorraine Warren. I never, yeah. you know, I've read some of their work, but I don't really know a lot about their work. Mm -hmm. um, so I asked the question today, do you, do you meaning greater yeah. audience, think that Ed and Lorraine Warren were pioneers in the pioneer and paranormal or were they opportunists in the paranormal? Yeah. And John, I'm going to throw that question out to you. You can tiptoe around it any way you want or you can be direct no, if you prefer. Gonna, yeah, not going to tiptoe around it. I'll just hit it with a sledgehammer. All right, go for I it. I think they were all I think there were opportunists. Um, there have been a lot of people in the paranormal community that were opportunists. And we've seen some of those people, one of the noted ghost hunters that got in trouble for faking stuff here a while back. And you have to understand that so many people don't have a real grasp of what real paranormal investigation is, what real interaction with the other side is, what a real psychic gift and how that operates is. And so they're fair prey for anybody out there with a book or a TV show or a paranormal investigation or whatever. And they assume that these people know what they're talking about. They assume that the experiences they report on are real. It astonishes me and it amazes me how many of these events that some of these so-called paranormal investigators supposedly investigate and report on an experience don't exist, never did exist, <laughs> you know, don't happen, but they've grown into this legend over these years and people assume that it's so and, uh, and people run with it. But, um, there's, there's just so much out there where people are looking to enhance their reputation. They're looking to make a buck. They're looking to climb on the bandwagon. They're looking to assuage their own egos. And so I have never had any great respect for the Warrens. Um, there's a lot of people in the paranormal community that I don't have respect for, for those reasons. And as an extension of that, one of the things that we talked about in the pre-show that I wanted to talk about with you, there was a, um, a world famous, world renowned, New York Times bestselling uh, quote unquote paranormal investigator. If I said the name, everyone in the audience would immediately recognize it. And when my wife and I first got together, she had a friend that um, was a psychic that worked with this big name, famous personage. And they went around doing some things and so on and so forth. Their big thing was closing portals and ridding people's homes of ghosts and then closing the portals there so that the ghost couldn't come back. So there was a, uh, a famous case in New York in upstate New York, I believe it was upstate, but there was a famous case in New York state where this family was having all of these manifestations. Now, the first thing that people like the Warrens do and other people do that come onto a scene like that is go to the default mechanism of poltergeist, dangerous poltergeist, mean poltergeist, bad poltergeist, demon, malevolent spirit, attachment, negative energy, blah, blah, blah. So that's the default. What it simply was, was these people were living in a home where there began to occur a large 
uh, manifestation, paranormal manifestation, and it scared them because they didn't know what it was, they didn't know how to define it, they didn't know how to deal with it, they didn't know how to interact with it. And so the world famous personage and uh, my wife's friend that, that uh, worked with him, they came upon the scene and they are going to ascertain what's going on and they're going to get rid of the ghost, all the spirits there, and they're going to close the portals that these ghosts came through so that they cannot um, manifest there again. Okay. So they did that and they proclaimed it to be successful. They got rid of the ghosts for the people. They closed the portals. Nothing can ever come through there again, blah, blah, blah. So I've always maintained, we don't control the other side. We don't close portals. We don't exercise dominion over that. We're dealing with beings that have a lot more power than we do. Uh, I have been able to exercise telekinesis on some things in a small way with a lot of effort and a lot of energy and a lot of power, but that's, I'm here in the physical dimension doing that on something in the physical dimension. Now, here's some invisible being in another dimension or another frequency that we can't even see that can slam our door shut. So we're dealing with beings with more capability, more power, in some cases, more intelligence, so on and so forth. So we're not ordering these beings around. We're not <laughs> casting them out or binding them to this or the other. It's foolishness to think that. So that's the first thing. Um, the second thing is, you don't close a portal. The portal is there. It's going to be there. Things are going to come and go through it. It's not under your control. You don't exercise control over that. So I've maintained that all the years. So anyways, history is written by the victors. They claim that, okay, we got rid of the ghost. We closed the portals. Nothing can happen there again. The family's okay. So I told my wife, I said, that's such BS. I said, that's just, just such BS. And I groused about it for a long time. So lo and behold, we were at a bookstore one day, one of the big chain bookstores. And I would always browse the, uh, the paranormal shelves. And this book caught my eye. And I thought, well, what is this? And I pulled it out and I read the title and I thought, Okay, and I flipped to the, the jacket cover and started reading the jacket blurb, and it was like, oh my God. It was the story of those people in that house and the experience with the world-famous paranormal investigator and the psychic, but told from their perspective. Oh, wow. Not from the world-famous perspective and not from the psychic's perspective, from their perspective. And so it was so interesting. Of course, I grabbed the book and I still have it somewhere in my books. I've moved a jillion times. I don't know where it is, but I still have it. But it was so great to read that, uh, the experience from the perspective of the family and how sometimes goofy the, the, uh, these people look to the family with some of the machinations that they went through and some of the things that they did. And the, the, the bottom line of the story was uh, regardless of the machinations that they went through after they left and declared the thing a success, the manifestations not only continued, but got worse, they magnified. And that's what I always tell people. I say, look, don't get an exorcist. Don't get a priest. Don't get some weird psychic in there or something. Don't start trying to cast this stuff out or bind it or Clyde, you're going to make it worse. <laughs> Leave it alone or learn to make peace with it, you know, but that's what happened here. Not only did the manifestations continue, they actually increased 
in power and in frequency and so on and so forth. So it was so great to be able to read that from the other side rather than the, the so-called victors that wrote the story. So in all of these things, like with Warrens, with all these type of people, people take things at face value. And they say, well, you know, they seem to be good people. Why would they lie? Why would they make stuff up? Well, you know, for one thing, there's a lot of money in this, if you do it that way. I'm not saying they're doing it for the money, but I'm just saying in all of these things, you can look in the paranormal community among a lot of things. And there's people that will um, life coach you paranormally or psychically for thousands of dollars. Or there are people that will teach you how to become prosperous by taking their course which costs thousands of dollars right. and there are people, you know, on and on and on and on. So we have to understand this. And again, we have to understand that it amazes me when I begin to investigate things and read and research, do paranormal investigations myself at the age of 11. Uh, it amazed me that a lot of the so-called knowledge out there in the religious, spiritual, paranormal, psychic community, a lot of that so-called knowledge was simply something that somebody had read that somebody else had written about from somebody else that somebody else had written about from somebody else. And then they took it and wrote about it as if it were some type of fact or whatever this and the other. And there was useless history to it, useless information. And just basically, uh, well, I had a friend who knew a guy who had an uncle who said, and basically that's, a lot of the information that's out there, folks, it's, it's just really, uh, I hate to tell you that, but that's the way it is. And it's real easy to research and disprove a lot of this stuff. And just to say, you know, Hey, it, it ain't that way. And so that's always been one of my big uh, concerns about trying to get across to people, what it's actually like to be psychic, what it's actually like to interact with the other side every day what it's actually like to do a paranormal investigation in a serious and meaningful and respectful way. And it's not anything like you see on TV. It's not anything like you read about in the books. It's not anything like you see in the horror movies. I love horror movies. I enjoy them. They're fiction. You know, I can't believe how many people think that the exorcist is real and that that's the origin of the Ouija board. And then, oh, no, no, it's like, oh my God, my God, my God. So that's another one of the reasons I wanted to write this book was to say, look, here's how it really is. And, uh, you know, to, to kind of try and set the record straight there. And it's, it's an ongoing battle. It's an uphill battle. It's a difficult thing. And um, it's, it's just, I always said, if I wore a snake around my neck and had a purple tutu and long blonde hair, uh, I would make a million dollars doing readings, you know? But, and people fall for that. I don't know why people go for that weird stuff, but it's, it's folks, it ain't so. You can argue with me all day long, but listen, I've been doing this professionally over 50 years, been reading and researching my entire life since age 11, doing paranormal investigations since age 11. I've done a ton of them, a lot of high profile ones, shot a, uh, a TV pilot for the History Channel where I psychically investigated the assassination of President Abraham Lincoln. I write about that in my second book, A Knock in the Attic. And listen, I've never experienced anything that are remotely close to what the Warrens and some of these other investigators say they've experienced. Not there, doesn't happen, not the truth. Yeah, and a lot of it's interpretation. And, I, and what I mean is, if you want, there's a documentary, and John, maybe you've watched it. I don't remember the exact name. I think the word devil is in the title. It's like 
the mm-hmm. devil made me do it or or living with mm-hmm. the devil so, somebody in chat yeah. will probably recognize this and it's about a boy whose family mostly his mother thought he was possessed and um, the warrens yeah. end up showing up and yeah. Yeah. this is told from the family's perspective and the family mm-hmm. talks and the boy himself talks about um how the Warrens said they were going to make all this money to tell the story. And they went off and signed book deals and the family never saw a dime of any of that money, wherever that money went. Exactly. Exactly. So I would say the people go ahead, John, mm -hmm. go ahead. That's the reality that you have to deal with. You have to investigate these things and you have to get down to the bedrock of these things. And again, like you say, JB, talk to the people that were there in the situation with these people and get their side of the story. Find out what went on from that perspective. Uh, you know, the, the people that lived in the house in New York, they had an entirely different perspective, an entirely different story than the world famous paranormal investigator and the, the person he was working with. It was entirely different and that. What they told was the truth. You know, uh, what the other people told was the blown up, puff up my ego, yeah. make me look even more famous, you know, story. Yeah. And, um, yeah, and, gotta be aware of and, and in this this doc again, if someone in chat has seen it, it's something with devil in the title, and I just don't remember. And I think yeah. it's on Netflix, although it could be on Max. I don't remember. They all blend together, but um, the the they talk about how the Warrens made a bunch of money on the book, and the family never saw anything in this. I just encourage people don't go, don't go into these conversations or into these just just discussions thinking you know what's going on. Exactly. There are a lot of people that will that idolize the Warrens, and that's fine. But before you discount what John is saying or what I'm saying here, mm-hmm. investigate some of this other stuff. Read the source material. Talk to people yeah. like uh, Marvin Scott. Now, you're not going to be able to talk to Marvin Scott, but you can go back and find interviews with Marvin Scott. If you don't know who that mm-hmm. was, he was a reporter out of New York City. He, was, he covered the seance that the Warrens did in the Amityville house right after that whole thing blew up. And he says, yeah. none of that stuff happened. The stuff they say exactly. happened, none of it happened. That's what yeah, he says. Happened. So, yeah, exactly. so exactly. before you jump to conclusions, read this stuff, look at this stuff. Now, I happen to think that, and this may seem a bit contradictory, I think the, the Warrens are, were both pioneers and opportunists. I think that mm-hmm. because so few people were talking about this stuff back then in the 70s, yeah. that that made them pioneers by default. They were br- bringing discussions yeah. to the mainstream that weren't being had normally, and that created that's a pioneer situation. However, I do think yeah. they were opportunists as well. Oh, absolutely. absolutely. So, um, Pam yeah. has a question here, uh, and I don't want yeah. to forget it. So Pam wants to know how you teach well, first of all, Jen, do you teach psychic? I know you consult with people and stuff, but do you actually teach yeah. psychic classes? Do you te- teach classes on how people can? In the past, do that? I've done that. Uh, yeah, I've, I've held little small workshops, gatherings, and things, and done that in the past. Not so much anymore. Just, just really don't have time to do that in-person work much uh, now, unfortunately. Well, you wrote you you put a lot of your tricks, if we'll call them that, into a and book a, yeah, to let people know yeah. how to use them and how to how to get better at what there they do. Go. So it's all right. That's all right my, there. That's my class and book form there. You know, yeah. take take that and use that as my class. Yeah, absolutely. John, it's it's we're already over time, but I don't want to leave this discussion without you giving us. We are thirteen days away from Christmas. Yeah, uh, yeah. You often talk about a Christmas miracle. 
Uh, yeah. You've experienced this. Tell us a story about a Christmas yeah. miracle to end, this, end yeah. the discussion it, today. It is a very important story, and I write about that in The Knock in the Attic, but for the people that haven't read the book yet or, or haven't heard it, it is literally mind-blowing and astonishing. Uh, we lived in... Uh, I, I divorced, my sister divorced, we moved back home in this, um, in my, our family home. And my family had fallen on hard times, didn't have the money to keep anything up. And so the house was falling down around our ears. And uh, the uh, we had gas heat everywhere. We had gas floor furnaces, we had gas space heaters, we had a gas range, gas uh, hot water heater, so on and so forth. So everything was gas in the house. And uh, in addition to all those open flames all the time from all the gas appliances, we loved candles, especially at Christmas time. But using various spiritual tools and techniques, uh, we burned candles and burned incense all year round, and especially myself. So there was always these open flames in the house. And uh, uh, my mother had died and uh, my sister and I were still living there. She was living in an apartment attached to the house and I was in the main house. so. Uh, since my, my mother was, was gone, we didn't need to keep the main house as warm. So during the day when I went to work, I would turn all the heat off and then maybe leave one heater on. Then when I'd come in, if it was cold, I'd turn the rest of the heaters on, get the house warmed up. So I came in and this was uh, early January and it was cold and it was a sunny day and I had come in and uh, was sitting in my bedroom, which was a large bedroom. I had my bed and a recliner and a TV and several other things in there. And I went and I lit the, uh, the heater in my bathroom and lit all the other heaters, space heaters to get the chill off the house. And I was sitting there uh, watching uh, a news story on TV that really had me interested. And I saw this flickering out of the corner of my eye. And I looked over and uh, the, uh, the branches, the bare branches from this tree in the back of the bedroom, I had a couple of windows behind me there. And the sun was shining through that. And there was a small bit of wind, small bit of breeze. And that was kind of moving around the shadow flickering on the bedspread a little bit. And I thought, oh, that, that must be what I'm seeing. So I went back to the news story. And again, I see this bright, bright flickering over here in my peripheral vision. And I looked over and I looked in the bathroom and in the inlet pipe going into the gas heater, there was about a, oh, eight or 10 inch tongue of flame coming up out of the inlet pipe, just burning up in, in the air like that, flickering back and forth. Now the heater's still at the grates, the fire's still in the grates, but this tongue of flame is just shooting out into the air from this inlet pipe. And I'm like, oh my God, <laughs> I'm fixing to blow up and die. Yeah. So I got up and I'm like, God help me, God help me, God help me. And I ran into the bathroom, turned the heater off, the, the fire in the grates went out, and the tongue of flame continued to burn, <laughs> flickering up about eight, 10 inches out of the pipe up into the air. And I'm like, oh my God. So I ran, I called the gas company. This is way before cell phones. <laughs> called the gas company on the landline and I explained the situation. I said, what do I do? They said, do you have a wrench? I said, yeah, I'm a mechanic, got lots of tools, always fixing things, doing things, got a tenth of tool. They said, take a wrench, do you know where the gas meter is? I said, yeah. They said, take the wrench, go turn the gas meter off. And we've got emergency crews on the way as we speak, hang up and go now. So I'm like, okay. So I go out and I turn the gas meter off, which was in the alley about, I guess, 50 feet away from the house, something like that. 
So I turn the gas meter off. I come back inside and I go into the bathroom, half expecting this flame to still be burning for some reason. And it's, it's not. I'm like, oh, thank God, thank God. So very shortly after that, the uh, gas meter truck pulls into the alley, stops by the meter, and I walk out to, to see the guy. And uh, he gets out of the truck and I explain what happened. And uh, he looks at me. He's like, okay, so he gets his gas meter out and he turns this, this handheld gas detector on this gas meter. And this thing, the, the needle on it pegs and the thing screams and squeals. And he's like, what in the world? And he turns it off. He moves into the yard away from the meter and he turns it on. Meter pegs and it squeals and screams. He turns it off and he literally whacks it. He's like, what is wrong with this thing? And he turns it on and squeals and the meter pegs and... He goes, okay, I, I can't figure this out. So we're walking along the house towards the, um, from the gas meter to the house and it goes on and off periodically. And we get in the house and it's screaming and squealing. And he's like, oh my God. He said, there's nothing wrong with the meter. He said, the gas meter is leaking. The line into the house is leaking all along. It's coming up through the, the ground outside. That's why the meter was going off outside. He said, everything's leaking in here. He said, you can't smell that. I said, no. And he said, my God, it's making me dizzy. He said, get every door open you can and get all the windows open you can. I'm going to help you now. I'm like, okay, okay. So we run around, we open up all the doors, we open up all the windows. After that, with the doors, all the doors and windows open for about five or 10 minutes, he turns the meter on, it's still screaming and pegging. And he's like, my God. So we go outside and the uh, a second gas company truck pulls up behind his in the alley. The guy gets out and he tells him what's going on. He goes, oh my God, how bad was the guy burned? And he said, he's not, that's him right there. And he said, no, that's not possible. He said, yeah. And he went inside and he said, come here. And he showed him the, the hole in the, uh, the gas inlet pipe going into the heater in the wall. And the hole was like, you know, like this big. And the guy's just sitting there bug-eyed. He's like, no possible way. And he goes, yeah, but wait a minute, watch this. And he said, before you got here, we've opened all the doors and windows in the house. He said, watch. And he turned his gas meter on and it's still peaking. And we walked out in the yard. He walks the line, the gas line into the house. The meter's screaming the whole length of the line. The meter's screaming at the meter. He goes, the meter's leaking. The gas line's leaking. Every appliance in the house is leaking. He said, we've got to cap the meter and pull it tonight. We've got to plug the line. And then you've got to get a plumber out here tomorrow, fix all these leaks. Then we've got to come put in the new meter, check the line, all of a sudden, this and the other. I said, okay. So uh, the guys were both looking at me and he goes, do you believe in miracles? And I said, well, yeah. And he said, well, you should because you received your Christmas miracle tonight. Mm -hmm. He said, I don't want to be gruesome, but he said, this house and all you people should have been dead years and years and years ago. He said, there should be a crater here the size of Detroit that destroyed the whole neighborhood. He said, I can't understand why this house hadn't been blown to kingdom come years and years and years ago. He said, you believe in guardian angels? And I said, yes, I do. And he said, well, you better because you received your Christmas miracle. Maybe it's a little late, but you've received your Christmas miracle and you better believe in guardian angels because I can't come up with any other reason why you people haven't been blown to kingdom come. So 
We thanked them. They left. My sister called and said, hey, what do you want for dinner? And I said, well, you're going to have to stop and pick up something. I explained to her what happened. I said, we have no gas, no way to cook or anything else. So the uh, plumber came the next day and uh, they couldn't believe what had happened. And they have this device that they uh, attach to the gas pipe and think of a big, a big blood pressure cuff with the, uh, the mercury, okay? And how the mercury falls on the blood pressure cuff. Well, they hook this up to the, the gas line, they pump it full of air and they open this meter up and how fast this, this mercury or whatever it is falls shows how big the leak is and how fast the air is escaping. Well, when they would pump this up and open it, the, the uh, uh, liquid would immediately go, just drop to totally completely drop. Wow. And they said, man, they said, not only was a gas meter leaking all these years, the line into the house was leaking. The appliances, every single appliance was leaking. The range, the hot water heater, Jeez. all the, uh, all the space heaters. There were 17 major gas leaks, 17. Wow. And they said the same thing. They said, man, we don't understand why you weren't blown to kingdom come long, long, long ago. Now keep in mind, using all those open flames, using all those leaking heaters, using candles, using incense, striking matches, all this stuff for all of those years. And they said, this was, this was not recent. This was years worth of accumulation. Years ago, we should have been blown sky high and nobody could understand why we weren't. Now, my friends, that is a Christmas miracle. And that's why I do believe in miracles. That's why I do believe in guardian angels. Wow. Wow. I tell you. Yeah. Um, that's heavy. Yeah. That's really heavy. That's really heavy. And, it, and the funny thing, it's not funny. I don't mean to use the word funny, actually. Uh, the interesting thing is, John, uh, where I grew up, uh, a town called Oneonta, New York, which is about 30 miles from here where I am in Cooperstown. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. They just, uh, over the, was about four days, five days ago, uh, basically a whole uh, neighbor, or not neighborhood, a whole block blew up from a blew gas up. leak. Yeah. Yeah. One person died. The, this place is still all cordon, uh, quarantined or whatever, cordoned off. Mm -hmm. They're trying to figure yeah. out why that happened. And, yeah. uh, you know, something like that, it happens. I mean, we've all heard stories about it happening. Um, yeah. And it got really close to home for me here. In fact, the, the block that blew up and it destroyed two homes and damaged like 12 others. But the, yeah. but the street that it's on is where Pee Wee Herman grew up in Oneonta. Oh, wow. He, he moved out of there when oh, he was 12 crazy. years old, but uh, that's yeah. where he was. Yeah, so so that really strikes home, that story. Listen, yeah. I, um, yeah. I want to, uh, a couple things. We're way over time, but I have a couple things. First of all, that documentary that I was mentioning that discusses the Warrens' involvement in a case is called Devil on Trial, and it's uh, oh, okay. it's on Netflix. It's it's really worth yeah. it. One of the things that really yeah. strikes me about that documentary is the the brother of the boy who says who was the subject mm -hmm. who was supposedly possessed. He right. he didn't believe any of it. Didn't believe it then. Sure. Doesn't believe it now. And one of the things he says that I thought was really right. interesting, John, is he talks about an instance where this boy was on the floor cursing and uncontrollable mm -hmm. and. And his mother's like, he's possessed. He's trying to hold him and all this stuff. And uh, the father, who wasn't around much, but happened to be around this yeah. night, walks into the room, yeah. picks the boy up, sits him in the chair, and basically says, shut up. 
and walks Cut away, walks <laughs> away. Yeah. And, and the brother tells the story and he says, it's funny how for the, for those, for those, uh, that, those few moments, the boy wasn't possessed all of a sudden, you know, exactly. <laughs> you know, exactly. so that tells you a lot about what was going on there. Like, Cut it out, or I'll give you something to be possessed about. That's exactly <laughs> right. Exactly. I recommend this. It's like a three-episode uh, docu series on Netflix called yeah. "The Devil on Trial." Recommend yeah. folks check it out. Listen, John, we are approaching Christmas. You mentioned yes. that your you, paperback copies of the book uh, can't get them by Christmas, but some people celebrate afterwards, so you can still get it for that, I imagine. But absolutely. But, but absolutely. Kindle or electronic versions of the book are available. Obviously, they can be delivered instantly. Exactly. And, and people can gift those to other people. People can get those as a gift uh, and download them for their own uh, their own Kindle or Nook readers. So those are available now. Yeah, absolutely. People can do that and gift those for Christmas. And then uh, where else can people find you, John? And we've we've you've been on the show before. Most of most of the people that watch my program know you well. But for those who are just right. joining us for the first time, where can they find you? Maybe I don't know how far out you're booking readings or what's going on. But where can uh, usually they... three to six months out to book a reading. They can find more about my psychic readings at johnrussell.net. Uh, for my books, I have a dedicated author website now, which is johnrussellauthor.com. And uh, the forwarding services for both of those has been down today. So if uh, if it's not back up yet, if you go to check those out and it's not there, just keep johnrussell.net, johnrussellauthor.com. Keep checking them. It'll be back up. Everything on the internet, I swear, goes up and down. It's, it's, it's so unreliable. But johnrussell.net, johnrussellauthor.com. And just keep checking those. And the, uh, the service will work. It was down a little while earlier today, but it'll be back up. So that's where you can find out about me and about the books and so on and so forth. Number 10 in the books for us, John. <laughs> number yeah, 10. Number 10 in the books. Isn't that crazy? I love it. I've been on you now more than I've been on Coast to Coast AM. <laughs> That's an honor. I'm, 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 I'm actually quite honored that you that you come on so often and agree to do it. Oh, I, I, I know how I busy you it. are. I know how busy you are. Yeah, I'll tell you, I'm, I'm trying to get more unbusy, but it doesn't seem to be working. <laughs> no, it's just the way some people are like that. You're like that. Uh, I sometimes yeah. I feel like I'm li like that, but I'm not going to take that kind of credit because I, 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 uh, I do find ways to relax. I play, I'm a video game player and I'm a musician and, and every once in a while I'll sneak off and play some video games or I'll, yeah, I'll, I'll sneak off to, and play you some have guitar. To do things to recharge. Yeah, you, you do. Have to do things to recharge. And that's what I'm always telling my clients. It's like, you, you got to find ways to recharge the batteries. Yeah, you have to. Uh, again, yeah. John, listen, have a great uh, Christmas season here. Um, and you too, you, my friend. I'm, too. I'm, I'm absolutely certain we'll be connecting here in six weeks or maybe, you know, somewhere around there. We'll get, we'll get you back yeah, on we'll, and we'll catch up. We'll do it again soon and, uh, and talk about some stuff in the new books and various other experiences and things. And uh, we, we've always got plenty to talk about. I, I honestly, I thought, okay, well, this is going to have to be a kind of quick one today because I've, I've got back late. I told you what I was doing earlier today and I got right, back late right. and I'm struggling. Here we are, you know, I'm already, we're already 15 <laughs> minutes overtime and we could talk for another hour if, if we had the time for at it. But. Yeah, <laughs> All right, John, thanks so much. Merry Christmas to you, my friend. And we'll talk soon. Merry Christmas, TV. I appreciate it. Thanks to all the listeners. Merry Christmas to everybody. All right. So remember, johnrussell.net, you can get more information about John and his work. Uh, I believe the, the other site was John Russell Author. Uh, John, you're still here. Uh, is it John? <laughs> I want to make sure I got it right. JohnRussellAuthor.com or net? 
Com, John Doc. Russell author.com. Okay. And then for the readings, John Russell.net. All right. Got it. Thanks. <laughs> Sorry to bring go. it back in there. He's getting out of his seat. He's getting ready to go on, have dinner probably. I don't know what he was doing, but I pull him back in quickly. Anyway, uh, great friend, John Russell. So I appreciate him being on. Listen, everybody, um, we've got a couple things going on that I forgot to mention in the beginning of the show tonight. Britt and I will be jumping on and doing a live stream at 9 p.m. Eastern. We'll have Gina, the psychic medium who joined us at the uh, Blackford County Jail and the Randolph County Asylum. She'll be on to talk about her experiences in that investigation. And, um, and Mandy from Ghost Sisters will be with us as well. We're just going to revisit those two investigations. We had a, a great time, some really cool activity, and there were really fantastic places that we're anxious to get back to. So we'll be doing that at 9 p.m. Eastern. and It'll be live. You can join us. We would love to have you uh, comment too, especially if you saw the live investigations and get your impressions on on what the activity uh, what you thought of the activity. It was, they were really great places. So that'll be nine tonight. Other than that, again, just like subscribe, follow and share. That's all we need you to do. That helps out a lot. And I appreciate it all very much. I'm going to let you go. Enjoy the rest of your day. And again, we'll see you uh, tonight. If you have a chance to join us at nine Eastern, take care.